welcome back to They Made Another One? Where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. I'll say my name in a second, Corey, but aren't you going to do the uh, the spooky intro? Because uh, it's still October. I, okay. <laughs> and this is a Halloween movie, dude. I'm one of... I don't even... What was the voice I even did? <laughs> um, Ooh, ooh. Welcome. <laughs> Is this all part of the podcast? Is Do I have to redo the intro for your amusement? I mean, yeah, you might as well. Yeah, redo it. Okay. Well, I think it needs to... We'll go. We'll get back to that stuff in November. Also, my mom sent me a text like two days ago saying, wishing you were here for the Sleep Doctor movie coming out next month. <laughs> was, <laughs> that a, she, was that like an advertisement? And then, well, maybe, dude, because then she sent me the IMDB page for Doctor Sleep. She sent me... <laughs> The Shining ending explained. She sent me the teaser trailer for Dr. Sleep, the full trailer, and another full trailer. I don't want to be that guy, but how did you feel about somebody sending you an explainer for the ending of The Shining like you didn't already know? No, well, she no, she said, uh, remember a couple months ago when I had talked about The Shining and I said that I didn't under, I being my mom, and I said that I didn't understand why Jack Nicholson was in the photo at the end. Well, look what I just found on the YouTube. And she sent it to me. Does she say the YouTube? I don't think so. Oh, but that'd be nice if she did. That would be cute. You can do that if you want, if you're listening. You don't have to. You can say whatever you want, you know? Okay, I mean, I'm going to do the spooky one you asked me to. So here we, here we go. Ooh, hello! And welcome back to They Slayed Another One, where each week we dig out the ghosts of old franchises and see how they hold up, and also their movie franchises, because this is a movie podcast. I'm one of your ghosts, Corey. And I'm your other ghost, Liam. See, why aren't you doing a voice if I'm doing a voice? Because I'm the straight man. So you just... Haven't you ever seen Seinfeld? We can't all be Kramer. Kramer. (laughs) I don't know if I want to be Kramer. Kramer did some stuff that I'm not. I don't want to be associated with. (laughs) We can't all be George. (laughs) We truly, and um, we can't all be Elaine. Um, That's true. She is one of a kind. A brilliant sitcom character. I haven't seen anyone like her since I was watching Seinfeld at my work recently. Some old reruns, and it's just it's so amazing. It's so amazing how much that Elaine holds the fort down, and she's really, uh, she's the secret weapon of that cast, I think. Well, yeah, because, uh, no, like, people know that Newman is great, like, whenever he's there, he's being Oh, you're saying Elaine is, like, an unsung hero of Seinfeld? Yes. Is this a backdoor Seinfeld podcast? This episode could be, yeah. I would love to do a Seinfeld podcast. I would talk about Seinfeld. Seinfeld's fine. It's a funny program. My dad Spine? likes it a lot. Yeah. I guess you would be the straight man for our Seinfeld podcast. I don't, no, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I don't like Seinfeld. I like Seinfeld. I would talk about it. I guess that's all you need to be able to start a podcast, right? You just want to have to talk about something. Yeah. And what we're like going you... to talk about is Halloween Resurrection. How'd you yeah. like that? It was good. It was good. That was pretty good, I thought. And yeah. um, that is a film that came out in 2002 it is the drum roll, please. Eighth Halloween movie. That's a lot of movies. And they're yeah, still I mean, going. This was 2002. Yeah, but they don't want us to know that they're still going. Like, they don't want us to know that there's been 
11. They don't want you to know movies. that Buster Rhymes was there. They don't. No, they're trying to bury Buster Rhymes. This movie is absolutely buried, man. And uh, it's a shame. It's a real shame. Honestly, I'm looking forward it is. to bringing it back to the masses again. The masses who listen to this podcast. We're giving Buster Rhymes' acting career a second chance. But before we do that, uh, we would like to introduce that this film was directed by Rick Rosenthal and alongside Busta Rhymes stars Bianca Kajilic. I'm so sorry, Bianca. I don't know how to say your name even a little bit. Thomas Ian Nicholas, Ryan Merriman, Sean Patrick Thomas, Tyra Banks, and Jamie Lee Curtis. As one would expect, kind of took us a long time to get to the Jamie Lee Curtis part of this cast. But, you know, eight movies in, you're really, you can do whatever you want. All bets are yeah. off. There are plenty of movies up to this point that didn't have her in it. So it's it's nice to see her back. Or is it? I don't know. We'll get there. <laughs> we may as well start with the series itself, the whole like Halloween oeuvre as it's known. And I want to know, Liam, what your history with the Halloween franchise is. I love this franchise, man. I didn't grow up with it. You know, I knew that Michael Myers existed, of course, like everyone. I knew he was a boogeyman and I knew that he looked like William Shatner, but I hadn't seen any of his movies at all until uh, a couple years ago. I watched the original one and before that point, I had seen the Rob Zombie remake, but that was it. So I watched the remake. Um, sorry, I watched the original movie uh, a few years ago. I really liked it. I watched the second one maybe the same night i liked that one and ever since you know i've been watching the movies certainly throughout october's that have come since and uh a little bit here and there you know i I watched the fifth one last summer because i realized that that was the one i hadn't seen i watched the sixth one about a month or two afterward and so i'm at the point where i've seen all these movies which Um, one's h2o h2o is the one immediately before this one that's number seven great and so, um, yeah, I've seen them all. I like to watch them in October with my roommates. Um, this is sort of the franchise that me and my roommates bond over. You know, we've never seen any of the Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street movies together, but we've seen plenty of these together. There's a lot to choose from. There's a lot of different styles in the franchise. We were all really excited for the new one. We went out to see that. So of, you know, the three big slasher franchises, this one is definitely my favorite and I have the most memories with it and um, so in doing so I had seen this movie before the podcast as well and this was a rewatch for me do you have a favorite installment um hmm. well I'll tell you what my ranking of the films would be quite different than other people's ranking for sure this means you like a bad one I think the first one is probably my favorite I don't think that's controversial no, no, not at all. You know, you start with that one, but then as we get on, you know, I uh, I have thoughts about this one that differ from um, many other people. I don't like H2O, which comes right before this. Um, I've heard from a lot of Halloween fans that, you know, that's sort of where it finds its footing again after five and six not being great. I think it's self-serious and a copy of... How can a movie a called... Ha- Halloween H2O be self-serious. Well, the thing is, Halloween H2O was Danny, um, no, sorry, yeah, David Gordon Green's Halloween before David Gordon Green. Like, that was the Halloween movie that came out last year. Mm -hmm. That had already been done by H2O. That was supposed to be the Halloween franchise, ignoring all the bad stuff, 
getting back on track with the main timeline, taking itself seriously, making Michael scary again, making Jamie Lee Curtis uh, a notable threat again. And um, I just I don't think it does a great job. And so I'm not super into that one. What a wild cast. I just looked that movie up. They were really going for it with that one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they do. LL Um, Cool J. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. Ladies Um, love Cool James. I really love the Rob Zombie movies. Honestly, the second Rob Zombie Halloween film might, I might like that one more than the original. Um, Wow. uh, I think that one's great. It's up there for sure. Um, I haven't seen all of them multiple times, so it's tough to say exactly. I like the second one, but definitely not as much as the first one. I like the third one just fine, but I don't love it as much as people seem to be loving it in more recent years fifth one i could take or leave i think that's a pretty common opinion the sixth one i feel the same way and i think that's sort of getting a a resurgence recently right okay so yeah that i feel like that makes sense that seems like a pretty reasonable ranking i can't really rebut with my own ranking because i haven't seen a lot of these in fact like Something that I find genuinely embarrassing is that I'm a really, really big fan of John Carpenter, and I've seen Halloween, but I've seen Halloween in the way I've seen Carrie, which is Mm. like, I've seen it. I've never sat down to watch it. There's just something about his filmography where there's just other movies I sought out to watch first, and I've never come back to this one, really. And then everything else for me with this series is kind of like... I know about Halloween 3 because people talk about it because it's the weird one. And then I know about some of these later sequels because they have really weird cast inclusions usually is why I hear about it. Like I knew about this one because it's the one that has Buster Rhymes in it. And that's a weird thing to just be told is, yeah, they put Buster Rhymes in a Halloween movie. What really it did? Okay, sure. Aside from that, I don't have a huge attachment to the franchise. I love the theme song. I have the theme song on vinyl, if that does anything for anybody. But other than that, I don't have a ton of attachment to it. And I think that kind of makes me excited to dig into this one because I think it's a weird place to follow up the first Halloween movie would be to jump straight into this one because they are very different things. Yeah, it's really indicative of how far away we've gotten from that first film. Oh, what a juggernaut Michael Myers has become, not in terms of his killing ability, but in terms of the way we perceive him. You know, he's a meme in this movie. So by the end of this October, will you be able to say that Halloween Resurrection is the only Halloween movie you watch during the Halloween season? Do you ever plan to get to the John Carpenter original front to back? And when you do, would you like it to be in October? Yeah, I think... I almost want to put on record so people hold me accountable that in the remaining days of this month, I should watch the first one. I would like to do that. Not because I think there's anything like embarrassing about this being the only one I've properly sat down to watch, but it seems (laughs) like this is as good a time as any to revisit that movie properly. And the sequel too, I guess, because like Halloween 2 is a pretty straightforward Halloween movie as far as I understand. It's it's a bit more in the ilk of the slasher movies that followed it because it came out a few years after that original movie by the time Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, I believe, had already kind of sunk their claws into the slasher franchise. So it's it's a bit more representative of those and not of the slow paced, uh, dark. So is the first one more of a black Christmas? 
The first, yeah, the first one is absolutely more of a Black Christmas. Everybody listening, go watch Black Christmas. That movie kicks so much ass. <laughs> I'm so glad I've converted you. In the month of October, hey, I didn't bring you out to see the original Halloween. I brought you out to, to watch see Black uh, Christmas. Black Christmas. Yeah, Corey and I went to a theater and watched the original Black Christmas, which is one of my favorite horror movies, and it was it was great. It was so nice to see it on the big screen, and it it still works. Five out of five, people. Um, ten out of ten. Twelve Convert it. Tw- out of twelve. Twenty-three out of twenty-three. That's the scale that everybody uses. That's the one we know and love. Twenty-three out of twenty-three. <laughs> that's that's what's good when a movie is just a hundred percent good. Yeah, is that any scale? I don't have to think about how to convert it. It's just it works. No fractions here. We're not reducing anything because it's one hundred, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm no good at long division. So, so how do you feel about the new ones then? Because you said that you you like the Rob Zombie stuff which is definitely like a different take on it. How do you feel about them retconning all of the movies in between and just saying, no, we're just doing a sequel to the first one? I totally understand why they do it. I think it would it would be a bit less frustrating to me if we didn't already have H2O because it's, it's kind of tough to see um, creative heads run in circles and get so many attempts at something where it's like when Halloween H2O came out, they're saying, okay, we have all these movies in between that we're recognizing straight away from the original intent. And so we're going to lay something down that is canon and it does exactly what it needs to do. And we're going to be so confident that this is going to be the one. We're going to establish our footing once again. And then, you know, 20 years later, the same distance between the original Halloween and H2O, the perception of that original attempt has so solidified as being a movie that doesn't need to be canon that we're going to say, okay, we're going to erase that and try again. And it's just, it's a bit frustrating and confusing. And it makes me feel like, it, it makes me realize sort of how temporary movies are. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, they're so permanent. But the whole point of this podcast is that we're recognizing that the public perceptions of movies changes so much and it can lead to movies being entirely forgotten and stepped over. It's the and... Terminator problem. It's the same thing that they're doing with Terminator right now, which yeah. is like we had two good ones that people still love. And then we mm-hmm. tried a bunch of shit in the middle to update it and none of it worked. So we're ignoring it completely and trying again. Yes. And like, so I three guess three years ago, they came out with a movie that literally involved new actors playing the old roles because they were resetting it that hard. And it's ignoring that movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's really, so that, it's a that weird kinda... trend and it's a weird. Yeah. It's like we want to ignore the previous installments because we don't think they've aged well is a really weird or that like the timeline or the chronology has become so confusing that we're just going to throw it all in the garbage. Yeah. And so part of me thinks, you know, maybe the more instinctual part of me thinks that that's a bit disrespectful. And I think like, you know, is nothing sacred and this thing is already made. Don't we just have to live with that now? But also I like that I like that H2O exists. I really do because I know that people really love that movie. And I like that the newer one from last year exists. 
I like that movie and I think it's I was excited for it because it was ignoring all the ones in the middle and because that's setting itself up to be so confident and self-assured and I'm saying okay this movie's going to be good because it has such a clear reason to be made whereas I think by the time Halloween Resurrection came out it's just so obviously oh hey there's another Halloween movie do you want to go see it yeah I mean I guess we'll get some popcorn and take a night out whereas when you make a statement that you're ignoring movies that came beforehand it's sort of a marketing ploy um that says the it sort of demands attention right and it's it's stating itself as an event to go see and i always appreciate more movies than less i like that we have so many movies in the halloween franchise to choose from and to like and also i recognize that we're going to be on the earth for a long time not just you and i but everybody and so if we uh hold every piece of media sacred and and hold it all up as canon and once something is done it either can't be done again or you can't retry something then eventually there's it's going to be really tough to make anything right because there's just going to be so many yeah so many well you could argue that just you know you don't need to be this beholden to intellectual property and like if somebody really wants to make a halloween movie but they don't have the halloween license they can just make a movie (laughs) like that is in a similar vein or something i think my main concern with stuff like this is that people are maybe holding canon in franchises a little bit too sacred anyway and part of that comes down to like oh we think the new canon sucks we have to get rid of it so we have something that's good or people who are defending it just to say like oh well it's always been like this why are we changing Mm -hmm. it so i think that part of it i really do like effectively just having like alternate takes on a series and being able to try different things and see alternate results and new storylines and things like that but i think people do probably need to be a little bit less precious about it but there's a fine line between that and like say an ip just gets like bought and then they just steamroll and start over that's a little bit disrespectful for sure yes and um you know in the case of the halloween yeah (laughs) And in the case of the Halloween franchise, I'm excited that we're getting a sequel to this movie that David Gordon Green did. And, you know, I like those characters and this sort of timeline we've established. But I also like that with Michael Myers, John Carpenter created a character that is iconic and is sort of greater than him and is hopefully going to populate stories for hundreds of years you know i think it's that sort of timeless character and so i look forward to halloween maybe being restarted yet again you know i don't i don't say that because i don't like what david gordon green is doing or you know i don't like what halloween resurrection did and so i just want to ignore stuff and start over and sort of I don't want I don't want filmmakers to tout themselves as no like those guys messed up but this is the real thing I don't like that idea I just like I like alternate takes on a story and so this movie interested me it really did from the get-go and uh, the Rob Zombie movies interest me for the same reason this one that came out last year interested me for that reason so at the at the end of the day I uh, I like that that different movies exist you know I like that there's a lot of them and I like I like that they're also different. Yeah, and really quick, I'm going to dive into like Halloween Resurrection here, but did you know that the director is the same guy who directed Halloween 2? I did. Okay, yeah, you yeah, did yeah. know that? I did. Sure. Yeah. Well, because I think it's interesting that's like even within the series, directors are getting a second crack at it. Like, yeah, because the only yeah. two Rick Rosenthal directed are Halloween 2 and Halloween Resurrection. 
I, yeah, I think that's really, really cool. And I don't hear people talking about that. You know, I, I had forgotten about it until I watched rewatched this movie here and I recognized his name. But um, when people talk about Halloween Resurrection, they don't talk about the fact that it's a director returning and it's a director from a Halloween movie that people from the heyday, like. effectively, yeah, from the heyday, trying again. And um, I think that's really, really cool. Um, and it also reminds me that uh, I don't exactly know what directors do all of the time because I can't <laughs> certainly see. You know what? No, actually, I, I see similarities between this movie and Halloween 2. I don't see movies between this movie and Halloween 1. No. But like I said, Halloween 2 is is a bit more of a typical slasher movie. And, you know, it, it was made in the 80s when times were a bit different and the way people acted were a bit different and less obnoxious. And for <laughs> that reason, we might hold Halloween 2 to a higher regard. But, uh, you know, as I'm talking it through, I think I'm going to make the case that this movie actually isn't all that different from the entertainment value of something like Halloween 2. You heard it here first. So to dive in, I think, stop me if you disagree. I'm going to pitch this movie as being two different movies. Uh, well, I'll hear your points. Okay. Let's go. So there is a Laurie Strode movie in here, and then there is Halloween Resurrection. Well, there's a there's a Laurie Strode prologue yeah, to this movie. Short film. There is a Laurie there's a, Strode yeah, there's a short, short film. There is a Pixar style short at the beginning of this movie that takes up the first sixteen minutes. And then there is Halloween Resurrection the movie. It's true, and it's sort of the opposite of what we were just talking about, whereas nowadays, if movies want to try a different take, they'll just say, okay, the stuff that came before, it doesn't matter, we're going we're gonna to reboot this, and we're going to tell it however we want. Whereas this movie, it very much does feel like, okay, where H2O happened, it tied up the Laurie Strode story, end, you know, period there. Now we want to tell another story because that movie made some money and we want to appeal to early 2000s teens who are going out to see horror movies to see people, you know, have sex and get killed. And we want to do that again. But, oh no, we just told this Laurie Strode story a couple years ago and... um they're afraid, you know, people are going to get upset with them if they've rebooted it so quickly. So this is essentially a reboot with a brief, I guess we just got to We got to get this out of the way because that other movie uh, came out so recently. It's almost as if, you know, when um, the Tom Holland Spider-Man came out, if they were and to everybody do like forgot a, about the and they did an Andrew Garfield prologue. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. That, where he just like passes passes the torch really quick. Whereas I, th I, you know, I think that's what dates this movie quite a bit. And I think I really do think that if we didn't have that Laurie Strode short in the beginning of the movie, be I think better. people would. Yeah, I think people, people would, would love um, this movie. Absolutely, because even if people aren't upset with what they do to Laurie at the beginning, I think they're upset because what follows is so obviously unrelated. Unre unrelated, you know. So yeah. I think if we just took that out, uh, people might be able to look at this for what it is for most of the movie, you know? Okay. Halloween Resurrection starts on Halloween 2001, apparently. I don't remember seeing this in the movie. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. That's what it's telling me. I'm going to roll with it. And we have hmm. Laurie Strode in an asylum. She was incarcerated there for having unintentionally killed a paramedic in 1998 also on halloween who she thought was michael myers chasing her down and now 
she's just like fears killing the wrong person again but believes that michael myers will come get her yeah so real quick Corey, what did you think about this intro not having seen the film that preceded it i was baffled completely i did not understand what was happening Mm. and i didn't understand why spoiler she dies and then they just nobody talks about it and it doesn't matter and it doesn't factor in at all i think it set up some interesting stuff because it sets up that like this opening prologue is nearly 20 minutes so like it sets up Lori strode and it sets up like that she's not taking like provided medication and she's just like waiting for her moment and like she notices him outside of the asylum and we set up a security guard that was trying to find somebody who had snuck out of the asylum but also michael myers is out there like in the woods and he gets inside and after killing a cop and his friend because he just really needed to go to a vending machine he skipped dinner and he needed to eat he needs more protein he needs more protein (laughs) there's like a full confrontation between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers at the beginning of this movie. Like, there's a chase. He gets hit in the head with a lamp. She hilariously sli- like gets his ankle caught on, like, a rope with a crane. And then he's wildly flailing his knife around. And it keeps making knife sound effects, even though it's not hitting anything. <laughs> Which is very, very, very funny. Yeah, and, there's um, a lot of stock sound effects in this There's so movie. many. Like, every that, door that really opens quickly. is a door yeah, the, sound effect that I have. <laughs> the first one I noticed was when we're getting flashbacks to the preceding film, and we see Michael get his head cut off by Lori, and you hear a Oh, scream. those are from the previous film. Yeah, but okay. it's just, the scream is so stock, right? And <laughs> yeah. Love- and I love that that's the moment they decided to include again, that they have such, you know, like they, they believed, oh, yeah, that was a great moment from the past <laughs> film. It really shows the impact. Yeah. And then and so, so it makes sense that they did stock sound effects of their own after because that's that's the scene from H2O that they were inspired by. Right. So then they have like this interaction and she's like, gotcha. But she doesn't want to kill him before guaranteeing it's him. So she goes up with great trepidation and tries pulling the mask off. And that gets her killed because, of course, it would because it's Michael Myers. And she's, like, thrown off the roof of this asylum. And Michael Myers leaves. And then we cut to title card, cut to the actual movie that has nothing to do with that at all. And then after the title card, it cuts to something we've talked about a couple times on this show before. Two things that we love here on They Made Another One. One, mm. thematically relevant class. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm, love that. <laughs> I thought that's what you did, so I did it too. I know. It's you just went, weird to hear mm. it. And I was like, it's mm. weird to hear it from someone else other than me. Yeah, no, that was good. <laughs> I love that. So I feel. So Rick Rosenthal is playing the prof, which oh, I also cool. like. Didn't know that. Yeah, and um, they're talking about carl young's idea of like a shadow figure which is basically just like all the evil in a person that's all they teach you in university that's it that's the whole thing high school they teach shakespeare and then in university they teach you about the shadow and the super ego and uh you get freud and young and that's it yeah that's all you learn no matter what degree you take like biology freud it's true it's true yeah obviously all our film classes that's all they would talk about they would just show us this scene from halloween resurrection (laughs) and talk about how it's a great theme and it felt familiar because they would never tell us what movie it was from they would just show us the scene yeah it was weird so like every paper we wrote was just about this scene it's true i could recite you this scene if i had to 
And you can tell that I wasn't a very good student because in my research for the paper, I never learned that it was Rick Rosenthal playing the teacher. Well, you know, I was a diligent student. Yeah, you got much better marks than me. (laughs) And then the other thing that this movie is that we love on this show is um, a product of the early 2000s. (laughs) Because it's very like early internet age. Computers are crazy. Are you guys talking on Yahoo? <laughs> like, it yeah. it feels very of its time, but it doesn't feel dated. Does that make sense? It just feels like that's what where it's from, but it doesn't make it feel bad or old. You can yeah, just dude. really feel in your bones that it's from the early two thousands. Yeah, and I think it's important to tie a movie to its time. I don't think every movie has to be timeless. You know, some movies do try to be, but I also think that movies are products of their time. And so, um, so yeah. Halloween Resurrection has a lot of hallmarks of like things we've talked about with these other movies, because there's a couple things. There's something very specific about the dialogue of this period. And it's got this like real, like snarky angst to it. Uh, We have a point where like two university freshmen are talking and um, he's trying to explain why it's cool that he has a girlfriend that he only talks to online. And he's like, oh, like, you know, back in the day, knights would have girlfriends that, like, they didn't even, like, touch and they just, like, sang sonnets to and shit. And just the way he says it is so of its time, but it works still. Like, it doesn't feel dumb. It just feels, like, 2002 sounded. And, yeah, and um, then and then his friend responds with something like, but why would you do that when you just have internet, internet porn? And the fact yeah. that he opts to say internet porn and not just Yeah, porn because they they were looking they, at they were looking at magazines like three years prior. Yeah. Right? And um the other thing is like there's just something about the fascination with not early internet, because like the internet had been around a bit, but just like when it was really picking up steam and early technology like so the conceit of this movie is that there is a company setting up an internet reality show called dangertainment and the people who run dangertainment are busta rhymes and tyra banks i mean they're playing characters but for all intents and purposes it's busta rhymes and tyra banks and we have we have three friends we have sarah we have jen and we have rudy and they're like three friends And Sarah is your, like, you know, she's a bit less, like, really, like, out there. Like, Jen is, you can get the vibe that she's, like, the really outgoing, like, likes to party, likes to do stuff one. And then Sarah's the more reserved one. And they have Rudy, who, the only thing we ever learned about Rudy is that he loves food. And he loves cooking. And he thinks that the reason Michael Myers kills people is because he eats too much protein. Which is just a lot to take in. But so those three friends were all signed up for this internet reality show set by Dangertainment. So there's them and there's three other people. The other three people are Donna, who is basically just set up as the smart one because she studies critical theory. There is Jim, horny music student. And there is Bill, horny guy who's not a music student. And Um, that's that's our six people. Early 2000s men came in two categories. <laughs> you either studied music or you didn't, but you were definitely horny. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Good times. So, yes, and the premise of this reality show is that they're going to be equipped with cameras, and there's going to be cameras in the Michael Myers house that nobody's been in since, like, things went down back in mm-hmm. the day, 
and they're mm-hmm. gonna stay the night live and things are gonna go down and um things certainly do because around this time i guess michael myers somehow caught wind that they were fucking with his zone and um well it's implied that maybe he lived under it and like was eating rats and stuff down there but uh <laughs> he realizes that this is happening and starts killing all the people that are fucking around in his house that's the movie that's it you need to know nothing else we put them inside and they all have cameras on and they get killed by michael myers however the way the movie does that is really really great because on the one hand it's perfectly paced i lied if you take out the prologue this movie is perfectly paced (laughs) because it sets everybody up you get a feel for everybody you figure out what's happening, they go do that, slowly but surely the kills start, and then the movie ramps up to a conclusion and it stops. You never feel like your time's being wasted outside of the prologue, I would say. And everyone's really clearly characterized, and the performances are all fine. Like, they're not, nobody's like really standing out, but it feels like the movie knows what it is. So it's got some kind of goofier stuff in it, but you just kind of take it. And the one other thing that this movie does that's so cool. And it's something that I think would only work then because even though the technology is better now, people wouldn't take it as seriously now. So Sarah and this guy, Miles, who has a screen name on Yahoo that she calls him, which is Deckard, which just makes this kid the biggest dork on the planet for having a Blade Runner username (laughs) and uh, dressing up as Pulp Fiction for Halloween, which is also what these kids do. And um, they go to a party, but he promised that he was going to watch the stream. So he sneaks into a room and watches the stream. And then gradually, people from this party just start watching. But then when shit really pops off, Sarah knows that he's watching. And they start communicating via email to, like, they're watching her and they can see where Michael Myers is on other cameras. And they're, like, giving her instructions. And it's so fucking cool. And, like, that premise might work better now because we have the technology and like twitch is such a thing and streaming is such a regular thing in that but i don't think people would take it seriously now i think that people would be like oh like they're trying to be hip with the kids again they're putting social media in the movies again but something about this is just like for a while this crowd at this party thinks that it's just a really well produced like fake and then they gradually realize that it's real and they like use this newfangled internet streaming setup to help her and it's so cool and it's so good so what do you think people thought about this when it came out did this feel like how it would be today if a horror movie were to utilize twitch no save the day i think people maybe thought it was cool i think maybe there's the risk that people thought it was a bit high concept because one thing that i was wondering the whole time is whether or not internet streaming was actually there in 2002 like could you do that Could you have a bunch of people wearing wireless cameras and then also a bunch of cameras set up in a house and stream perpetually and then people on the other end had good enough internet connections to watch that live? I think you totally could, yeah. There's a documentary from the early 2000s that takes place in New York City and it was this guy who decided to set up uh, an underground living complex that has cameras in literally every room and he enlisted people to come live in the house knowing that they would be videotaped all the time and people came to do it so that they could be watched on the internet. And, oh, cool. Um, okay, so this isn't totally outlandish. I think that speaks for itself, but then also like, 
my gut tells me that this would play better then than it would now because it would have felt novel. Mm. Whereas like Twitch and streaming and interactivity through streaming is such an institution at this point that like it wouldn't impress people. But this, it was early enough in the internet being a thing where it could get adventurous with showing internet-based interactivity through film and that would be an interesting thing to see. Whereas now I think it would feel a bit cynical. Mm. Like I don't know anybody who thought that unfriended was a cool use of skype you know uh i thought unfriend was a cool use of skype well there we go ladies and gentlemen i know somebody um well i mean what do you think about halloween resurrection like i want you to get your piece in here because there's no need for us to talk about this movie beat for beat because like it's functionally an hour long yeah it flies by it really does well in the first 20 minutes don't matter so like this movie's basically an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah, and I think similar to how early 2000s men fall into two camps, you're either a musician or you're not, and you're horny, I think horror fans nowadays fall into two camps, and those two camps are you either like the intro of Halloween Resurrection and detest the rest, or you oh, I hadn't dislike even the intro. That. You dislike the intro of Halloween Resurrection and you like the rest. And I think we fall in the same camp. I'm very excited to hear that we not only agree on this movie, but we also agree <laughs> in the camp that the hour of this movie is great. This movie's so good. <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> this movie's so good. Y'all I need to say it. We need to say this before I let you keep going. I need to say this out loud. Buster Rhymes karate kicks Michael Myers out of a window. Yeah. What more do you need? (laughs) And the thing is, I know there's a podcast somewhere else on the internet, probably multiple podcasts where someone says the exact same sentence. They say, folks, Buster Rhymes karate kicks Michael Myers outside a window. What more do you need? And that's them making their point that this movie sucks. And And those people are wrong. In that case, yeah, we just have different sensibilities because I think this movie is totally fun. It's um, one that I watched for the first time two Halloweens ago. I watched it with my roommate. We bought a bunch of cookies and some chips and we sat down to watch it for the... I, I had never seen it. He had told me about it because he caught it on cable a couple times when he was a kid. It was the Buster Rhymes Halloween movie and he said it was absolutely outlandish and we had to watch it. He also loves the Halloween franchise. And we sat down and we just had an absolute blast. It was, it was, it's honestly one of my favorite movie watching memories and rewatching it this time by myself, you know, for the podcast, I didn't have any junk food on me. I just sat down in the morning and watched this movie and it was still, you know, I'm not going to say just as fun because I didn't have my friend and I didn't have any cookies to eat, but I could still understand how we had so much fun. The parts that made us burst out in laughter the first time still made me smile and scribble down in my journal, you know, a bunch of quotes this time. And if we're going back to my Halloween treat, ranking, motherfucker. I'm staring at that on my page right now and it's scrawled in giant block letters around an entire page. And uh, we quote that all the time in my house. There are so many good lines from this movie. You know, the Rudy who, um, it is Rudy, right? Rudy, the, the food guy. Rudy is a chef and he thinks that Michael Myers kills people because he eats too much protein. 
Yes, that I love that. And it's he so... says that to Michael Myers while swinging knives at him, and Michael Myers is trying to kill him. And he's like, "Dude, you just gotta eat less protein." And it's just it's like, what? So cool. And again, it's something that I like more than something like Halloween Five or Halloween H two O, where it's trying to make Michael Myers scary again because. And that's what the you beginning know, of this movie is trying to do, and that's why I that's don't like right. it. Right, and you know, it's just where I come from. We've spent so much time with him being scary, and we understand that he's scary. And every Halloween movie doesn't have to try to scare me. I don't watch horror movies to get scared. If they scare me, that's totally cool, and I'll respect them for that. But I'm not watching Halloween Resurrection to feel the same way I felt when I saw the first Halloween movie. You know, I'm watching it because it's the eighth Halloween movie. And I know Buster Rhymes is in it, and I'm going to see a couple people get killed in a way that I haven't seen before because it's a new horror movie to me. And so when it comes to ranking the Halloween movies, this is absolutely in my top five. And you've got to keep in mind that there are, what, 11 Halloween movies? Yeah, so that's pretty good. It's up there with the other Halloween movies that most people agree are are really good, you know, and... um, I, I honestly, I hold this movie really dear, and it's one that I'm definitely going to watch more times in my life, and it's so good to watch with friends. I think it's fun to watch alone. It flies by. There are so many good quotes in it. Uh, well, and Buster Rhymes is amazing. Filmmaking just so much. is just actually good. Like, yeah, why don't you why don't you give a few examples? Of yeah, that? well, first I was going to say, the only thing with the technology in this movie that annoyed me is that he would send her texts that showed up one letter at a time as if he was typing it. And I don't know why they thought that's how that worked because it's not. So everybody is wearing like a little cylindrical camera and there's cameras set up all around the house. And the thing that I think is important and it's a thing that a lot of like found footage movies fuck up is these cameras look like what that camera should look like. If that makes sense. Like they're shitty quality and they suck in the dark. Like, and it gives the movie a legitimate feeling of, like, foreboding when they're trying to scare you because you genuinely can't see anything. And you're in this dilapidated house and everything's grainy and, and like, digitally warped and sucks and you can't see and everybody's got lanterns. But there's also plenty of transitions between the digital and the, like, movie cameras, basically, that feel really smart. And it's never jarring when you cut from one to the other. Because sometimes you're getting the view of the live stream at that party and there's like a split screen and you're getting multiple angles and those look great. Or you're seeing Tyra Banks like watch all the monitors and you're getting a mixture and that looks cool. Or there's a point where Donna like goes downstairs and finds like where Michael Myers lives under the house and it starts with her head cam and then it like statics for a second and in the cut it cuts to the regular camera for the movie. So there's a lot of moments where they're getting interesting angles or they're getting a legitimate feeling of dread out of having that be the way the movie's shot. And it does a better job of handling that than, for example, Blair Witch 2 does by a landslide because it's treating the technology as it actually operates and it makes it look cool and it makes it look interesting and it fits the overall thing. But that doesn't make the movie scary because this movie's fun as hell. Yeah, no, it just it just makes it fun, dude. It just makes I'm it having... look like it should look like. It gives it like a cool, more of a haunted house vibe because that's what it is. And like the dialogue's like snappy and weird. Like Jim really wants to hook up with Donna 
and um he asks uh what does he say he says a line and then she goes does that work on everybody else and he goes oh well it works on like music majors and um you know sometimes it works on philosophy majors and political science kids and she goes oh well i'm a critical studies major so it's not gonna work on me and there's just so many lines that are really funny i think my personal favorite though is when deckard realizes that this is real but other people at the party haven't and this one lady just goes you know she really is such a talented actress yes yeah i I love i love the concept of all the all the dudes watching michael myers on camera because to them michael myers is is such a meme right yeah. like he's someone he's he's just a myth and there and he's was someone... gonna be a fake michael myers buster rhymes tried it but then the real one was there yeah and <laughs> and michael is someone that exists on a screen to them right and so even when deckard realizes that something is going on and that this is actually happening you know they're not taking him seriously i don't think the movie plays it that you know that michael myers is actually killing people that doesn't come across to us as if we're now supposed to take it seriously the way deckard is right it's just it's still fun, fun for the audience yeah it's like a sitcomy shenanigans of oh this is actually happening this isn't happening well, and these characters are michael trying to myers bow. is really more of a force of nature than he is a character right so like he can just appear places and do stuff and like throw people across rooms and none of it matters like there's a character that gets killed because Michael Myers jumps through a wall. Oh, yeah. That and was awesome. it's crazy. And, like, it looks cool. And it's, like, it's a good jump scare. But, like, what it illustrates is that, like, what these people are up against is, like, inhumanly strong. Because that's, like, the second time he had busted through something in that movie. <laughs> because at the beginning, he breaks through a door. Mm-hmm. That was great. It was, <laughs> and, like, in slow motion. And it's just... Yeah. And, so um, funny it's so overwrought and cheesy yeah and, you know i just and then, you I know, love it these like all the people in this house are interacting and they're like oh like are you just here to be famous or like what or like do you just want to like hook up or what and it's just like they're just a bunch of like dumb idiots who like are set up for fodder but um all the deaths are really interesting and they're usually relevant to like who that character was in some capacity like rudy's is like in the kitchen with knives because he's a chef and it would stand to reason that that's where he would go and that's what he would try to do and Donna comes across as one of the ones who was genuinely interested in finding something. So she gets got by digging too deep and finding something she wasn't supposed to. Right. And um, initially that's a goof because they had set up like a fake grave down there. And then that topples on top of them while they're hooking up. And then they realize that one of the arms says made in Taiwan on it. And uh, So like this movie works because it feels really self-aware and, um, but not in like a campy way because it never feels like it's trying to be funny, but deep down it knows it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does make sense because I would never, <clears throat> when I think of this movie, I don't think of it as a horror comedy, but I know how much it makes me laugh, but I also don't think I'm laughing at it because it's You're bad, laughing with you know? it, for sure. I'm laughing with it. This stuff, it has to be intentional. There's no way that they put some of this stuff like, you know, Michael Myers, you need to have less protein in your diet. And and the at one part, the music student says to Donna, say something smart. And she see, says, existence precedes essence. That was and so they start funny. Making oh out. And it's, <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, at that point, I'm not <laughs> laughing at the movie because it's it's all there. But also it doesn't 
somehow it doesn't feel like a horror comedy, and I don't know how they do that. To because its Buster credit, Rimes it sets up that Buster Rhymes knows karate. It sets it up because he's watching a movie. Mm-hmm. He's watching an old kung fu movie, bef- like way before any of this really pops off, and then there's a confrontation, and he just goes full like. We're using kung fu and karate interchangeably. I know they're different. I don't know what he's actually doing, but he just starts like doing a Bruce Lee thing, basically, because he's making the sounds, mm-hmm. he's doing the moves, and he just does like a jump kick with no setup, like just suddenly Buster Rhymes is jump kicking people, and it's crazy because so he's got like huge hair and he's got one sideburn and it curls like up the side of his face and it's just a look and he's just kicking people out of windows and shit it's fucking nuts like sarah pulls out a chainsaw at one point in a garage that is covered in gasoline and then catches fire Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of like sarah's stuff that's more of the straightforward like slasher final girl setup stuff is still really good because like she's really good at acting fucking terrified and i feel like that comes through but like the movie leans into the more ridiculous stuff so there's like a command center garage where they're we're running all this from and tyra banks's character was in there and she's already dead and then sarah gets in there is thrown into well first of all she slips on a pile of blood which is gross and um she gets like thrown into like an old like snowblower or something and that pours gasoline everywhere she hides in there michael myers comes in there's a bunch of electrical wires hanging she jumps out with a chainsaw hits him a bit the chainsaw runs out of gas something happens that i can't even remember things start to catch fire and he gets caught up in a bunch of electrical wires and it starts making the most stock electricity sound (laughs) It is just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he's just like standing there frozen, like getting electrocuted. And Buster Rhymes just fucking swoops in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I want to be watching this movie right now. I know. Like I could watch this movie any day of the week. And again, that's because it's really short and it's really well paced. Like you could just sit down and Absolutely. crush this like you were watching an episode of a TV show. Easy. Like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's, it's just incredible that line that they're able to walk between horror and comedy here because I don't think there's anyone that would call this movie horror comedy, but no. it's so obviously funny and I just don't, I really don't know how they managed to do it because it's not like they're making fun of the franchise. It, it's sort of, it's almost like, I don't know, like Marvel movies nowadays where it's like, you know, they're superhero movies first off, but you also, you know that they're funny because that's just how they're writing and the situations are, but you don't consider them comedy movies. And I just think the way this movie comes across, I don't know if it's... It's it's tonally perfect. It's tonally perfect. And I don't know if it's a product of the time because I'm thinking of er- other early 2000s horror movies I've seen. And a lot of well, them. I mean, Blair Witch are... could. Blair Witch 2 could have been that and it's not. Right. It right, wants right. to be that and it's not. There are so many early 2000s horror movies that are much more serious than this. You know, most yeah, horror most. movies are <laughs> are what we've seen earlier in the franchise. You know, I know you haven't got to those yet, but no, yeah, Halloween but I get five, what you mean for sure. Halloween five and six are just they're so clearly they're they're this movie without the funny stuff, and so they're just why trying would you to be want scared, that? <laughs> but it's not there at all, and so I really think this was a neat way to go, and I think 
the issue that people have with this movie is that um, they want it to they, be something else, but this is what it yeah, is. Yeah, they, they want it to be, you know, Halloween 5 and or 6, but also closer to 1, you know, being well-made and scary <laughs> and stuff. Whereas this movie, it just, it's trying something different, but I don't think people are super cognizant of the fact that it doesn't, it doesn't seem to want to be Halloween 5 or 6. And I would really love to see, you know, like a making of documentary where we have interviews oh, with... Buster Rhymes or Rick Rosenthal, you know, and I, I'm curious just Buster how this Rimes. movie came about because it's it's a movie that it appears like it's a mess, but in watching it, it doesn't it doesn't feel that way yeah. to me. You know On what I mean? On paper, this is a terrible idea. Yeah, but in practice, it works for sure. Any movie that can let me write a note that is just Deus Ex Buster Rhymes is good. <laughs> Like, I don't know what else I have to say. <laughs> oh, my God. What's your favorite scene in this movie? Okay, my favorite scene in this movie is... Um, oh, dude. I think it's the kitchen fight. Okay, yeah, but, totally. But... He literally dude, no, throws spices into his eyes. That's pretty good. Like, yeah, the kitchen fight is great, but Buster Rhymes is my favorite part of this movie. Really, anything he says. I like when he's pretending to be Michael Myers. He gets hit in the head. He tells the dude that he hit him like I murdered his fucking mother, mother or yeah. something. And then he puts the mask back on because he has to entertain people up in this motherfucker. And I love when Buster Rhymes gets out of the car and looks up at the house and says, let the danger attainment begin. <laughs> I know. <this> mother. <laughs> and I love I love the end when he burned bitch burns Mikey. Yeah. And then he, he tells calls him, him happy Halloween. Yeah. And then he, he says he looks a little crispy chicken fried motherfucker. And it's the I news. Just, the lo- news media ask him how he feels. And then he just goes, feel this and breaks the camera. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before that, dude, he gives a brilliant thesis that summarizes the entirety of the Halloween franchise. It's he perfect, just goes, and it's so well written. Like, yeah, yeah. Michael Myers isn't, isn't a piece of entertainment. He's evil. He kills people. That's all there is to it. You know, it's, it's And meanwhile, awesome. 10 minutes ago, he said, trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What's your favorite scene? A couple things stick out. One of them's really small, but it just made me laugh, which is like, there's a point where Rudy and Jen are smoking a bong, and then Rudy goes, I'm glad there's no cameras in here. And she goes, we're literally wearing cameras. <laughs> And they just laugh, which is just like, it's just such a perfect quick joke. Again, I need to go back to Buster Rhymes kicking him out a window just because that scene has so much. So like he just Mm -hmm. shows up, right? And then he's just standing there like getting ready to fight and he just starts making noises. And you're like, what's he going to do? And he just jump kicks him. And you're just like, whoa, Mm -hmm. that's not what I thought was Mm going to happen. Like, and then he kicks him so hard. And they're on the second floor. Mike, Mike Myers, Michael Myers, Mikey Myers, Mikey Myers flies out the window and off the roof and onto the ground outside. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? And um, there's one line I really like when those other two dudes are at that party, which is just. When he just goes, does anyone, do you think anyone's going to know we're dressed up as Pulp Fiction? (laughs) Like, there's a lot of good moments that we've talked about, like, in the main plot. That's, like, when he jumps through that, like, mirror wall 
and like a bunch of good kills and stuff but just like there's so many small things that you can laugh at too <laughs> like yeah just... here let, let me get let me give you another one there's there's a scene before they get to the house um you know before the the yeah. magic happens where donna show no sorry sarah shows up at buster rhymes house because she's beginning to have yeah. second thoughts and he's and watching a movie with it he's watching a, he's... a karate movie that he, she's interrupting yeah, and he goes up to her and he tells her that she can do it. He gives her a pep talk and then she walks away and he just compliments himself about how, you know, yeah, he's Buster he's... Rhymes and how he how he said some really, really, you know, bloggable shit. He's like, wow, that was up a... at the top of your head. Like, good for you, dude. He's basically just congratulating himself. Oh, wait. the the When the camera guy gets killed and Tyra Banks doesn't notice because she's making a coffee. Yes. And it just intercuts between like a really cool kill with a tripod leg and like Michael Myers mm -hmm. drags him off screen and you see it on the camera that's set up and they were bickering about trying to get a good angle and she's like shut up Orson Welles like just put the camera there and then she goes and makes yeah. a coffee comes back and Michael Myers has put the camera back at an angle and she goes hey there you go that's a great angle. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile yeah, that so dude's just dead. Yeah and and let's keep in mind here that jumping to the ending Michael Myers is is defeated. You know, we get that final Yeah, there's there's no clear eyes. Yeah. But that's just, you know, that's just because we have to and there might be a sequel and that's totally cool. But other than that, Michael Myers is literally defeated by Buster Rhymes, you know, just beating him up and setting him on fire. Yeah. And, well, it's Sarah and Buster Rhymes. Yeah, Sarah helps. She cuz she chainsawed him. That's like. right. That's right. And and so here's the thing. I understand how people who truly hold who hold the first Halloween in such high regard and, you know, think it's brilliant and and they just feel so close to Michael Myers that this is like this is sacrilege and this is disrespectful to do something like this. But I feel that, you know, I, I, I love that first Halloween movie. And, you know, I don't I don't know that I love it any less than a lot of people who hate this movie. I don't think you have to love the first Halloween um to like a certain threshold and that makes you hate this movie i just think that i have a i have a different personality type where i can love something but i'm able to then separate it and compartmentalize it in my head and i don't feel i don't feel beholden to that original thing and the way that it made me feel i don't feel like i need to keep feeling that over and over again because the original movie is there and i'm sure on this podcast you know you'll be able to pull out things that where i'm contradicting myself and i'm talking about franchises that i love and and a movie later on bastardizes it and you know those things happen on a case by case basis and you know that might be just because the the remake or the sequel or whatever isn't as fun as this movie and so it feels more blatant in what it's doing to the original because it doesn't need to be there at all but to me those movies are more halloween you know five where it's just it's just another halloween movie because we want to we want to get back to michael being scary and reestablish the status quo but i truly think that this movie is doing some interesting things you've laid them all out there and I, I love that this movie exists alongside the original. You know, I love that we can have both. And I'm sorry for the people that don't feel this way about this movie. You know, I'm sorry that that Michael Myers, who you love so much, is getting defeated by a karate kick and a chainsaw. But, uh, you In know, bad electrical uh, just, effects. Just just try to be happy for me because, uh, you know, at least this movie was made for uh, some sort of reason. and And those reasons are 
the two hosts on this podcast. Yeah, this movie's for us. Well, I think the reason that you're able, not you, but like the general you, Mm -hmm. um, is able to compartmentalize this away from the original is that it's so well executed. The reason that it's harder to do that with other examples of other franchises, I think, um, or you want to be more precious about it, is because they're trying to do the same thing that the original movies did, and they're just not doing it as well. This is not John Carpenter's Halloween at all. And that's why it's good because it knows what it is and it knows exactly how to do that. And that's just what it does. And it knows that it's fun and it knows that it's weird and it doesn't overstay its welcome. And you're able to have a good time with it because it feels like an alternate take on this without not letting people get the serious because the serious Halloween already exists. And then more of it also comes later. Like we're getting now, right? So this Mm -hmm. just gets to be a blip on the radar where they had fun with the franchise and it really, really works. And that's commendable, especially if you want to take a different franchise as an example. I'm going to pick on Terminator again, where it doesn't work because they keep trying to do the really serious, as good as the originals over and over and over again. And up to this point, it hasn't worked. I don't know anything about the new one. So like maybe they did it this time. But, you know, there's something to be said for being able to just have fun with a franchise and let something new happen. And that's what Halloween Resurrection is. And I think that like it's perfect in what it does. Totally, man. You know what this feels like to me? It feels like the story game I would play as a kid where someone speaks for, you know, three minutes, they make up a story and then you pass it on to the next person right. and it's their turn to go. And then it's the next person's and you're trying to tie it all in. You know, your your first couple sentences might be that 20 minute Laurie Strode prologue where you say, OK, we're going to look at this thing that uh, we're going to look at the version that came before me. And I'm going to address that quickly in my own way, you know, and then- one year later there was danger tainment yeah 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 so like we have we're gonna address that michael myers got his head cut off okay that was a paramedic and his (laughs) larynx was crushed that's how i'm gonna address that now i'm gonna move on and tell my own version of the story and i just i think that has a has a real charm to it you know i love that game i think it's uh it's 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 one of my favorite things to do and so it kind of makes sense to me that this would appeal to me you know i think i think this movie is great and i think it's great for halloween uh the season i think there's some nice halloween costumes in here it's the right sort of fun to get some friends around this is a haunted house of a movie for sure it is it is and so you know uh 23 out of 23 for this movie. truly like i don't think we could recommend this enough like if you want to do something fun with what's left of the halloween season like watch halloween resurrection absolutely and with that I think we would like to thank you once again for listening to another spooktacular episode of They Slayed Another One. Uh, you can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Stitcher, pretty much wherever you want as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com. With recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what kind of movie you would like to see Buster Rhymes be the lead in now. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Mellow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And I am at Mr. Corey Price on Twitter. And you can catch us here next week for the very exciting Day Before Halloween spooktacular episode. And with that, we will catch you here next time for more They Made Another One.